1: Sign up free now at anfieldindex.com forward slash discord. You won't regret it. You can also follow us on Twitter at Anfield Index and find us on Facebook by searching for Anfield Index. Oh, and before you go, we'd love it if you could leave us a five-star review on your favourite podcast app. It only takes a couple of seconds and it means the world to the people who create these free shows.
2: Hello and welcome to AI Scouted on Anfield Index Pro. I'm Dave Hendrick, joined as always by Mr. Carl Matchett. How are you, sir?
3: Disgruntled, furious, not looking forward to
2: Monday. (laughs) On Monday, eighth place Liverpool take on sixteenth place Leeds United, who have already beaten Liverpool this year, and that was one of the warning signs that this season was going to be a complete shit show. In a Premier League game that is kind of must-win for both teams. Leeds because they're only two points outside the relegation zone. Firmly in the middle of that pack of teams that could go down. And Liverpool because they're three points behind Unai Emery's Aston Villa, Carl,
3: You're not baked me this way.
2: Amandai, though. I mean, Villa this weekend play Newcastle in the early kickoff, and if they were to win that game, they'd be six points clear of us under Unai Emery.
3: Listen, all that matters is that Liverpool are closer to Leeds, who are two points outside the relegation zone, than they are to the title chasers, Arsenal. Like, a lot closer to Leeds. Well, Liverpool
2: are actually only 15 points clear of Leeds. While also being 12 points off 4th place Manchester United. Give people an idea of just how bad we have been this season. As things stand. If we were to win all of our remaining games. That is 9 games. That would be 27 points. We would get to 71 points. Which is less than Arsenal have now. Just, Just let that simmer for a moment our max points total is 2 points less than arsenal have after 30 games we are that is the scale of our collapse
3: we are at this moment in time 1 point difference between how many points we won the title by in 2020 and how many points outside the relegation zone we are right now yeah. <laughs>
2: Oh, it's not good. It's not good at all. And this is a horrible place to be going to play on a Monday night because they just got walloped 5-1 by Crystal Palace. And because it's us and because this is how things happen, they're going to be renewed and reinvigorated and just gnarlier and harder to beat and harder to do anything against. Especially when we play... Like a bunch of saps that don't know what they're doing. Carl, against Arsenal, our first 30 minutes was, I would say, ordering on the worst 30 minutes I've ever seen us play at Anfield. I thought we were absolutely shameful. But, and I said this to you in the preview, there's always a chance that Granit Xhaka will do a Granit Xhaka. And he did a Granit Xhaka, and he got Anfield all riled up and excited. I thought we battered them from about 30 on. Salah missed a big chance. Robertson missed a big chance. Salah missed a penalty. Darwin missed a big chance. Kanate missed a big chance. We should have wiped the floor with them. And that's not including the goals that we got. Those are just the chances that we missed. We probably should have won that game 4 or 5 And They had a couple of counter-attacking opportunities as well. But I thought when the volume turned up and the pressure ramped up, I thought they shrunk. Yeah, they did. And we showed what we can be capable of. And that's, that's what frustrates me more than ending this season, is that we show that for 60 minutes. We do what we did to United. We do what we did against Napoli in the home game, against City in the home game. And then you look at those performances versus what we showed against Forest, against Leeds, against Bournemouth. Those are unforgivable defeats. Then you show the, the performance level against Wolves and the fact that we conceded three goals to a team that I think had scored 12 before that in the league. The effort and performance against Brighton. Now, I don't mind losing to Brighton, but I don't like losing that way. The same with Brentford. To lose in that manner. And then to lose in that manner to City. Like those are not acceptable levels of performance. And if that was just what it was. And if we were just shit. And I said this to you before. If we were just shit. You could just sort of live with this season. You wouldn't like it. You wouldn't be happy about it. It's the fact that we show that we're so much. We're capable of so much more. And yet still turn in those performances. That's what gets me.
3: That's actually near enough word for word what I said on Raw, to be honest. Um, obviously, you didn't do Raw at the weekend, being the part-timer that you are. Um, but that's pretty much what I said. It's it's almost like, as well as we played, in that, especially in that last, let's say, half hour or so against Arsenal, it makes it less acceptable, again, the way we played in the first half hour. But because... It's not because you're capable of doing it, it's because there shouldn't be such a short period of time between you being absolute garbage and putting no effort in and having no concentration and being not switched on to the most basic shit imaginable to then Mm -hmm. turning it the other way around and making the team who have been better than everybody else this year look like small children. It was so, so immature and shrinking and cowardly and pathetic in that first half hour that it makes it even worse when they do the opposite, the complete opposite. Now, Arsenal, in that last, well, in the second half, really, did exactly what I've been expecting them to do for about three months now. As soon as there's a really big challenge, find it very, very tough because they still have a number of players who are of that mentality. Xhaka being, first and foremost, the leader amongst it, but someone who has proven over and over again that they're not really capable of of handling that level of expectation, who are just generally not quite that level of player. Now they, they've been exceptional this season and we've been over this and I don't want to go over Arsenal too much because this is Leeds but that sort of player, uh, Rob Holding who's not been in that position before Shaka yeah. who's been in that position and been found wanting before whoever else you want to take it was always going to be the case so for us to still come out and be crap from the beginning isn't acceptable how we finished it obviously is much better but as was the case against Man United and then going out and playing against was it uh, Brentford oh. the next game? Bournemouth, Bournemouth yeah. is even, again, less acceptable because you've already shown you know how to do it and you know what to do and you know that you are capable of doing this because you did it like half an hour beforehand or one week beforehand or whatever. And to go out and be as bad as they were again then, I, I run out of words, but it is the most infuriating thing to me. Like we have different types of players we like. Everybody has different types of players we like. But the one thing I've never, ever, ever been able to stomach is players who do not put in aggression, who do not yeah. put in a level of determination. Even if they're no good, I would always, always pick a Salif Diao, who is terrible, but will run and fight for everything over all of those players who have won the title, but played like they did against Bournemouth or against yeah. Wolves or against Leeds.
2: Or even just the effort level put in against City. The way they just folded against City. The way they just didn't turn up against Chelsea. And Klopp can say what he wants about how he saw intensity. He's talking absolute nonsense. There was no intensity in that Chelsea game. And if it wasn't for a bad miss, Ikovicic, and an unfortunate rebound on Havertz, they win that game 2-0. We've played the exact same game. Everything that we've done is exactly the same. It's just two incidents that we don't control have worked out differently, and they win the game 2-0. Like, we beat United 7-0, and the 300 minutes that we played in the Premier League after that against Bournemouth, City, Chelsea, in that first half hour against Arsenal, were... It it just... It wasn't the same team. It wasn't... You couldn't wrap your head around how the team that went and did what they did to United were capable of being this bad. And you control the the second leg against Real into that mix as well, because we were turgid in that too. <clears throat> so that's 370 minutes plus whatever, or 390 minutes plus whatever stoppage time. Probably 400 minutes all told across those games where we were just pathetic. And then for 60 minutes against Arsenal, and like you said, mostly that last 30, we just looked a class above. We looked to class above and I think that that result and that performance I think has tipped the scales back to City to win the league. I think City just need to win out now. They've got a game in hand and they play Arsenal at home. Win those two, you're leveling points, and City have an easier run in than Arsenal do. Arsenal's have to go to St James's Park <clears throat> and I don't think they win up there. I, like Arsenal folded under that pressure. And that's we showed what we were able to do. And again, like when you're looking at them going for the title, yeah, they're good. They're not a patch on what we were a couple of years ago, or even last season. This City team, I think, is the worst City team in terms of the season they've had so far in the league since Pep's first year. Now, they may well end up winning the treble this year because they looked frightening against Bayern. Newcastle are okay, but we've beaten them twice. United, they're all right, but we beat them 7-0. Like, if we were just playing to the level we're capable of, we'd be winning this league, I think, at a canter. But if we had just not gotten the pathetic results, and by pathetic results, I mean losing to Forest, losing to Leeds, losing to Wolves, losing to Bournemouth, that's 12 points we should have on the board. And I would say the two draws with Palace, that's four more points. That's 16 points. That we should have. That we threw away. That would have us third. Now third wouldn't be good enough. Considering what we're capable of. But we'd be third. And we'd be comfortable in third. And we'd be moving forward. Just saying right look. Bad season. Third place. We we go again next year. Rather than having this crisis that we're having right now. Where we don't know what the future holds for the club. And Leeds is going to be a test. Because it's one thing doing it at Anfield like we did against United, like we did in that 60 minutes against Arsenal. But away from home this season, our form is is a disgrace. Drew with Fulham, lost to United. Drew with Everton, lost to Arsenal. Lost to Nottingham Forest, who are awful. Beat Spurs, beat Villa. We're quite lucky in both of those games. Lost to Brentford, lost to Brighton, lost to Wolves. Beat Newcastle away. We're very lucky in that game. Got completely outplayed by a team with 10 men. Um Drew at Crystal Palace. Lost to Bournemouth. Got the floor wiped with us at City. And drew at Chelsea. We have been pathetic away from home this season. Three wins, four draws, eight defeats. 14 goals scored, 24 conceded. That is abysmal. Absolutely abysmal. That's 13 points. 13 points from 15 games. That's so far from acceptable I don't even
3: know where to begin with it. Yeah, It's been an absolute shambles. I mean, take away the Newcastle win because they were down to 10 men. I know not for the whole game. I know we were, had some okay moments even before the Red, but the last time we won a league game on our own merits, let's say, away from home was Boxing Day. That's really just... I don't even know. That's so bad. It's its in keeping with the season. There are no real words for what this is. I mean, we've got four games left away from home, which we shouldn't even really have to consider. They should just be wins. Yeah. Leeds away, West Ham away, Leicester away, Southampton away. Yeah. If you had to say right now how many points Liverpool get, I bet you neither of us would say more than six, and probably we'd say less. Yeah. Yeah,
2: like... It's not just, like, I'm looking at our last nine games, Carl, and, like, that should be, that should be eight wins in a draw. That should be eight wins in a draw. And yet, I, I don't know that we take 15, maybe 16 points from that. Heavily reliant on the home form to carry the load. Because we're just so poor and so flat away from home. Like those away results, it's not even the results, it's the performances. And it's the amount of times we shoot ourselves in the foot. United, we gift them both goals. Fulham, we gifted them a goal on the opening day. Arsenal, we were dog shit. Forest, pathetic. Spurs, great first half, awful second half. Villa, 3-1 win, great. Would you fancy us to go there and win now? Not a chance. A, and and they opened us up a bunch of times. And then ju- it's just, it's the performances. It's how flat we come out. Like Brentford, that first half they could have had five. Brighton opened us up like we were a, a lower league team playing in an FA Cup game. And they were some sort of global power. It was, it was frightening to watch us in those games and, and see just how far we'd fallen that wolves game though that wolves game stands out to me as as bad as it could possibly have gotten because we were so so bad and the effort was completely not there and they're awful wolves are garbage and couldn't buy a goal but got three against us
1: are you that person who has everything the coolest merch to sell official iron-on shirt badges and sleeve patches as a listener to this podcast you can get 10% off everything with coupon code AIPRO10 just head over to anfieldindex.shop or find us on Etsy by searching for Anfield Index
2: and uh, that's the type of performance against that type of team and then obviously losing to Bournemouth you see those results and you see the forest result. You can't have confidence going to Elland Road. You just can't. Leeds are not a good team, but they've got good players and they've got a really good home crowd and their home record is not bad. Five wins, five draws, five defeats. It's solid. They're a, they're a solid team at home. Now they got pumped last week by Roy Hodgson's Crystal Palace in. If Javi Grazia wasn't just in as caretaker, he would have been sacked on the spot because that was a disgrace. But, you know, they they beat Forest the week before that. They've beaten Southampton. They've drawn with Brighton at home. They've drawn with Brentford at home. They've drawn with West Ham at home. They've beaten Bournemouth. Drawn with Villa. Drawn with Everton. They hammered Chelsea back in the early days of the season. They beat Wolves on the opening day. Like, they've gotten some decent results at home. And on a Monday night, under the lights, Ellen Road's always a fairly hostile place to go. If our lads come out as flat as they did against Bournemouth and Wolves, and just look like they don't care, I, I, I just I can't have confidence in our team going into this game. We should be going in thinking we're going to win this three or four nil. But you just can't with the way they're playing.
3: No, I agree, and I think much of it is just to do with the um, physicality and speed of doing things and the determination that we don't show from the outset in matches. It's like we need to take 10 minutes to warm ourselves up in matches at the moment. Um, you can't do that against a good sides. You certainly can't do it against ones who are scrapping at the bottom and their way of playing when they play well is to go fast and to go really, really hard and to try and get everybody in behind you down the flanks. You have to match them, especially away from home and especially at this time of the season, you have to match them first in terms of energy And that's where we've really, really struggled. Like to the point that as long as there's no obvious risk, I would be throwing Darwin and Diaz into this lineup. Diaz, even though he's not played a minute since his long injury, I'd be putting him in straight away. Because you know he is one of the ones who is going to match them for tackles, for work rate, for annoyance factor, for tracking back, for being quick on the ball and on the turn and to distribute and everything else. He might not be 100%. Obviously, he's not going to be. He's not going to be technically anywhere near his best level. But if you can get 45 minutes out of him, if he's okay to play that kind of Mm. time, I would start him. Because Liverpool have been so woefully lacking in that regard in matches that some of the time, you're already a goal or two goals down before half of the team has even really got started. And then teams are sitting back, and then we work our way in because they're allowing us to have possession, and we suddenly look like, oh, well, we can actually play football again. It's not showing the defensive side or the, the you know, the determination, the aggression, the organisation, but we're having the ball, and therefore we start to look dangerous. But by then the points have already gone. Yeah. So I, I mean, I would really, really be keen to shake things up as much as possible after the start against Arsenal. Forget how we finished the match. That's that's not a consideration for me at all after the way we finished against Man United and start of the next match. So as far as I'm concerned, it should still be shock tactics as much as possible right now for, for starting elevens.
2: Yeah, I, I agree. I, I think I would start Diaz as well. I'd rather get if if he's only got forty five minutes in him, I'd rather have him for the first forty five than the second forty five. Because like you said, we could, we could be two 0 down at half time. He, he, with that relentless nature, he is one that can drag us into games and drag us past teams. Like, before he got hurt, he was one of very few shining lights in this season.
3: It was basically him and Alisson.
2: Yeah, basically. Him, Alisson, and, and Thiago was playing well to that point as well, holding the midfield together while Henderson and Fabinho took turns uh, shitting themselves and often did tandem shits uh, on the pitch the, def- the defence didn't look good Virgil wasn't playing well Robertson wasn't playing well Trent was having issues Ibu was injured so Matip was playing poorly and then in attack Darwin was taking some time to settle in Bobby was in and out Mo was playing fairly poorly for him it was it was Diaz, it was Tiago and it was Allison that kept us alive in those first couple of months and then Diaz got injured And Thiago has been used as David Batty. And then he got injured. And then it was just Alisson. And Mo found some form and kicked on a bit. But that's it. That's what we've had this season. they are the only four players, I would say, can realistically hold a heads up. Ebu since he's come back, has been good. But the rest, shameful. Now, going into this game, this is probably the best Liverpool injury report there's been all season. We're missing Ramsey. He wouldn't play anyway. We're missing Besetic. Now, that's a blow because he probably would be playing because the rest of the midfield has been so turgid. And we're missing Nabi, but Nabi wouldn't play anyway because, you know, reasons. Um Diaz is available by all accounts. The last Klopp said was that he would have 100% be available for Leeds. He said that on Friday. I assume nothing has changed. So we should be pretty close to full strength, with the exception of uh, Stefan not being available. Leeds are missing Vober, which is a blow because he's been decent since coming in. And Tyler Adams is missing, and that is a big blow for them because he's really important and his partnership with Mark Rocker was one of the few positives for them this season. Um, They do have Weston McKenney now, who's struggling a bit for form, but Adams as a ball winner as as a pest in midfield had been had been a big positive for them earlier in the year. Um what do you expect from Leeds? So Melier will be in goal. Carl, I I just I can't get on board with this kid. I, I can see that he's got talent, but every game he makes at least one big error. Whether it's he comes for a cross, he can't get close to, there's a handling error He's stuck on his line as the ball dribbles a yard across the front of his goal and someone taps it in while he's just watching it. Like I, I just can't get on board with him as a goalkeeper.
3: No, I've never been a fan to be perfectly honest. Um I, mean, I said a while back, like younger goalkeepers I find it a little bit difficult to judge them, but if it's shot stopping alone that I see is the only real good thing that they have, I'm not impressed. Because if you can't save shots, you're actually not a goalkeeper in the slightest. So there's got to be a lot more to it. And I've never really seen anything from Italy. His command of the area is not particularly good. He's, he's not brave coming off his line. One-on-ones, he's quite good, actually. Um, but mm. again, you know, what what is that going to happen? Maybe once again, maybe a couple of times in a three-week period, something like that. Uh, his distribution is not particularly good. Decision-making, concentration doesn't appear to be anywhere near top-notch. So... Maybe all these games mean two, three years down the line. He's in a very, very good place. But right now, no, don't like him.
2: No, neither do I. And I know he's young. I know he's 23. He's played 112 Premier League games. That's a lot. This is third full season as first choice there. Also had half a season as first choice in the championship or, well, quarter of the season, maybe. He has played a lot of games and he doesn't seem to be getting better. And that's a worry uh, at the back, then. So, I'm guessing. I'm guessing we'll see Liam Cooper come in uh, to partner Robin Cock in central defence. I'm not really sure why they made the decision to send Diego Lorente out on loan unless he asked to go. But I'm I'm expecting Cooper to come back into the team because I thought Struyek had an absolute mare against Palace. So did Junior Firpo. Um. So either, I assume it will be Cock and Pooper with either Strujic or Furpo at left-back. <clears throat> and then Luke Ayling at right-back, who has somehow worked his way back into the team and placed Erasmus Christensen. I think Luke Ayling is the worst player in the Premier League. And I don't know that's all that close. He costs Leeds a goal pretty much every single week. He is Genuinely, way below the caliber required in the Premier League.
3: If he could keep up that average, I'd be happy. It'd be great. We might, we might need it.
2: If he can do what he did against Palace, where he cost him two or three goals, that would be even better. I, I just think he's shit at the Premier League level. At the Championship level, he's more than serviceable, but at the Premier League level, he's he's just he is a major weakness. I mean, you've got a weakness in goal. A big weakness like him at centre back, and if or at right back, and if Cooper plays, that's another weak point. I think this Leeds defence is very much get get atable. If we go with Diaz and Darwin and that intensity and that speed and that power and that pace, I do think we can expose holes in that defence.
3: I mean, yeah, we should. Even without pace and power, Liverpool should trouble that defence. But the problem is that, away from home in particular, obviously, against uh, Bournemouth, let's say, they had a poor defence. They had poor individuals there. They didn't have you know, great partnerships in place or people who were in ridiculously good form or anything like that. And we, did, we barely even had a shot. At second half, we had one shot against them. We created nothing. We were intense and aggressive about nothing at all. We were a goal down and we didn't trouble a poor defence. That's the bigger issue here, is the way that Liverpool set up and the mindset that we have and the lack of fluidity that we have and the lack of real effort, to be perfectly honest. It keeps going back to that. and It's quite boring to say, and it does sound really, really negative. If you haven't watched the games, though, but if you have, that's what you can see. It's like going through all of them. Lack of effort, lack of real accountability to try and make stuff happen. Lack of cohesion in players moving forward in waves and linking up play together and having set patterns that we create openings with. None none of that happened in these games. That's the big problem. So Leeds can have as bad individuals and collective defensive players as they want. If Liverpool play like they did in the last few away games, they'll get a clean sheet.
2: Yeah. Yeah, of course they will. Because Liverpool just... (laughs) It's the attitude more than anything that gets me this season. And and I know people have said, you know, injuries and and this and that. And that's all, that's all true. We've had injuries, but everybody has injuries. Oh, Liverpool have had more, more games missed to injuries, right? Let's, let's be real now. That includes Calvin Ramsey, who wasn't going to play anyway. Abby Keita, who wasn't going to play anyway. Ox, who wasn't going to play anyway. And Curtis Jones, who wasn't going to play anyway. They all missed big chunks of the season. Klopp wouldn't use them anyway. He's only using Curtis now
3: because he's gotten desperate. That's that's the only reason. He's desperate. Liverpool, second half against Bournemouth, right? All of these players played. Um, Salah, Gakpo, Firmino, Jota, uh, Robertson, Baztich. Did he go off in that game? can't really I think remember. So, yeah. I think near the end of the game he went off. Um, who else was there? Van Dijk was playing. Uh, Anderson came on as a sub. Yeah, Milner came on for Trent, didn't he? So Trent was playing, Fabinho was playing, all of these. Liverpool had two corners in that second half. Yeah. Two corners. We made four dribbles with the ball. We had one shot on target. So what is happening there? If that's if that if or if the injuries are the issue, what are all those players doing? Yeah, that's the thing. Like this is the
2: thing. Like Allison, like our best eleven. Allison is obviously the goalkeeper, he's played every Premier League game. Uh Trent obviously starting right back. He's played twenty-eight league games this season. Andy Robertson is the left back. He's played twenty-six games. Um Ibu is the one that said injuries in defense, so you can you know you can mark him down. He's only played eleven games in the Premier League. But Virgil's played twenty four, Vinho's played twenty seven, Jordan Henderson has played twenty six. So Thiago's the one in midfield who's had injuries, he's only played 15. Uh, In attack, Mo has played all 29 games. Uh, Bobby's played 22. Darwin has played 23. Diaz is the one that's missed a chunk of the season. Now, Darwin had the suspension, which cost him three games. And he had the foot foot injury, or the shoulder injury, whatever it was. Um, Like, this is a lot of senior players that have played most of the season. You know, James Milner's played 22 games this season. Um, Harvey Elliott's played 27 games. Klopp wants him in the team for whatever reason. He's played 27 games. And each of he missed was the last two. So, yeah, there's been injuries. But they've been, other than Thiago and Ibu, they've been to squad players. It hasn't been to the starting 11. And the starting 11 has let us down time. And time and time again. Now, going forward with Leeds, I'm expecting Roca, or Roca, or however you pronounce it, and McKennie in midfield. Um, I'd expect Harrison, Aronson, and Sinistera behind Bamford. I'd expect the same midfield and attack as they went with. Now, Nanto might come back in. Um, what have they got in terms of injuries? Yeah, just... just Adams, Wobber and Stuart Dallas who wouldn't be in the team anyway. So that's what I'm expecting from them but from us Carl I do think there needs to be changes. Now one change that has to happen is obviously Thiago has to start. The difference when he came onto the pitch the difference between how we played was night and day and the level above all of their midfielders that he displayed coming back from an injury was incredible. This guy is one of the most talented players I I think I've ever seen. And I think if it wasn't for injuries, I think when people talk about the best midfielders of all time, I do think he'd be in that conversation. Because I think talent-wise and production-wise, when he's fit, he's been undeniably world-class for the better part of a decade. He makes us so much better. But I will say, even when we had him earlier in the season, We were still shit. (laughs) So, (laughs) let's look at our team then. Alisson will start, we know that. Eboo and Virgil should start, that's fine. Trent had a much better game against Arsenal after that first 30 than he's had in weeks and weeks and weeks. And I thought he dealt fairly well with Martinelli in their 1v1s. It obviously helps having Eboo. I thought Trent absolutely deserves to hold down a spot. I, I I can't make an argument that Andy Robertson deserves to start other than Costas hasn't been very good when he's played recently either. So, pick your poison really. One of them's going to play and we just need them to be relatively decent. I'll
3: pick Robertson then.
2: Midfield, Thiago has to start. I think Fabinho has to start. The third position <laughs>
3: Oh, third position. This was every single podcast up until mm. October or whenever Thiago got injured. The third position.
2: Third position. And the, the captain has started the last three games. He has been awful in two of them. He was not good against Arsenal. I think Curtis Jones has been our best midfield player in the last two games. I'm not saying he's been great. I think he's been 6 out of 10. I still think that's better than what Fabinho and Henderson have put forward. I would start Curtis Jones as the third midfielder.
3: I don't think Curtis Jones deserves to come out of the team.
2: Same. Like, if we're picking on Merit, yeah. Henderson drops out because he's well, been yeah. garbage all season, and he was poor last season, he was poor the year before that. And Thiago comes in. And you reshuffle. Curtis goes right. Thiago plays left. Or look, you can leave Curtis left side and play Thiago right. And I don't really care either way. But that, for me, those two need to be the eights. Because there's no other option than Curtis. Ox is not a real option. Naby's injured. Henderson's not good enough. Milner's not good enough. Harvey Elliott is not a midfielder. I do think Harvey will start. And I think it should be Curtis.
3: Do you think it'll be Fabinho, Thiago and Harvey? Yes. I'm going to throw you a curveball that I think Klopp is going to do.
2: I'm hoping you're going to say it's Cody Gakbo as the third
3: midfielder. Well, no, I'm not going to say that. I think he's going to take out Fabinho.
2: And play Henderson as the six.
3: Either Henderson or Thiago, yeah. I think he's going to leave Jones as the, the left.
2: It wouldn't surprise me. Um, look, this clearly Fabinho is not the player he was, and um, it's it's been about thirteen months now since Fabinho was able to show the the level that we had come to expect from him. Are the odd game here and there, <clears throat> but Thiago is a six. I think is a, if if it's Thiago is a six, I, I think it's a disaster waiting to happen. Not for anything he'll do, but because I don't believe there's two good enough eights to do what's needed if he's the six. I don't think there's enough legs. I don't think there's enough defensive ability, defensive nous, ball-winning ability, aggression, drive. And there's no argument at all to be made for playing Henderson as a six. It just isn't. The last time he played well as a six was United away last season. Hello, I'm here to annoy you. I'm here to annoy you into listening to more of me and more of others on EPL Index. We don't just have the Anfield Index stuff. We've got EPL Index as well, which covers the entirety of the Premier League. And we have three podcasts and a whole bunch of really good writing on EPLindex.com. The podcasts are my own two-footed podcast, which is every day at 4 p.m., Monday through Friday, covering the whole league. We have a Tad Predictable, hosted by Tadiwa. You know Tadiwa, he does Anfield Index. He presents a Tad Predictable before every Premier League match week. And then Kevin DeVries and his crew on the EPL Roundtable, they're every week after the Premier League Match week, so make sure you listen to everything we're doing on EPL Index and follow us there on Twitter at EPL Index. Thank you. Bye bye. That's probably the last time he was good as a six. Unless you want to count, like, did, we, did he play as a six against
3: Rangers? Let's let's not worry about when Henderson's good. The point is, he isn't most of the time. No. Um, the bigger knock-on effect here that I'd like you to. to rant, rave, ramble, or otherwise be succinct about it, because didn't speak to you about it after the uh, Arsenal game obviously, and it does affect who plays the eight and what they do, is Trent and his role, and we saw him obviously coming and sitting mm-hmm. uh, uh, Zinchenko-eskily in sort of midfield area, Canate pushing out to the right-hand side to shut down Martinelli on transition play Trent then ducking back a little bit more centrally at times, blah blah blah. Would you carry on doing it? What would you change? Does it work for this game if it's Sinister or Gnanto, let's say. I probably think it would be Gnanto starts this one, but either one, they're kind of similar. So would you do it? Would that then impact on who you have as the eight? Because at the start, Henderson was doing the thing we did two years ago where he was looping around the outside of uh, Salah, but not going anywhere with it. And actually Salah wasn't coming in field, so it's just two players out on the right and nobody at all going central. Yeah, those big, um, slow, overlapping runs that everybody knows aren't
2: going to lead to anything. Um, yeah. Look, the thing is, this, uh, people got awfully excited about this, this Trent in midfield thing. I, I'd asked people to cast their minds back to earlier in the season and Trent was playing that role. The issue was Joel Matip was the right sided centre back and wasn't able to cover across, so we were getting roasted in behind. Um, Ibu has the pace and the aggression and the reading of the game to get out and do that. I I don't love him having to cover that much ground, but he's more than capable of doing it. I think it would work a lot better if it was a different left-back who was a bit more conservative. Um, I I do like Trent in that area. I do like the idea of Trent. I've said before to you, I, I I'm not against the idea of moving Trent into that right side of midfield if we go with like a skewed 442 where he plays the right and Diaz is the left winger and we play a more defensive right back behind him because rather than because it's the same area Trent's been playing in it's just that rather than having a waste of space in front of him he's got a real defensive player behind him or again like i said you could do it with a back 3 a four that switches into a 3 and Trent moves forward i i would keep Trent doing the same thing i would but i like the idea of this is where I think Harvey makes sense for this game. I wouldn't do it, but I think it's where he could make sense for Klopp. Or or Curtis could make sense. Is you put Curtis or Harvey into that role that Henderson was playing, that bit further forward. So you get a, a three of Ebu, Virgil and Robbo. You get a midfield three then of Trent, Fabinho and Thiago. So you get creativity on both sides. And then you get a free roll and then your front three. The issue I have, and it's Curtis or Henderson, is that does mean Mo ends up playing as a linesman. At least if it's Harvey, I think Mo is more willing to come in field because he knows Harvey at least has a bit of creativity about him and can also come in field. Whereas neither Curtis or Henderson have the pace to beat someone down the line and be a wide outlet. So I think Mo ends up staying out there thinking, I've got to be the pace out here. Um I do like that use of Trent. I do. I think it's it's something that can be beneficial in a better team. I think him and I think him and Thiago either side of the six in that shape. I, I do think is something that can work really
3: well. So who are you picking, and who do you think Klopp picks?
2: I would go. I'd go Curtis, I would. I'd go Curtis and, and when Trent steps into midfield I'd have Curtis stay more central. Move, move further forward so it's like a 3-3-1-3 three, 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 with Curtis floating between the lines. And I'd play Fabinho as the 6 because for me, as bad as he's been this season, he's still significantly better than the other option in there. And I like the idea of Thiago and Trent having that a balance on either side, so we do get that inventiveness on both sides. How much chance? I think it, I think the more likely thing is he either plays I think the more likely thing is he plays Harvey on the right. I think he, the most likely thing I think is he goes Harvey to Thiago. I think that's what he'll do. I think he'll sit Henderson in this one and bring him back for the for the weekend because he's played every minute of the last three games. So I think he'll sit him for this one and bring him back for the next one. and Possibly bring him back for Fabinho in the next one. Because it's against Forrest, isn't it, if I'm not mistaken? Yeah. Yeah, Forrest, who are, I think, less dynamic in midfield than Leeds because John Joe Shelby can't run
3: Uh, just to quickly box it off, Armin asks, what if we use Trent as the six with two physical eights? He would get more time on the ball. Um, not for me. No, I wouldn't do that. I want to no, make that. Be very, 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 very good defensively. And that's their primary role rather than the other way around.
2: So, yeah. Unless, you know, and, and the thing is with Trent, like, as good as he is on the ball, it's different playing on the ball in that really central role. Yeah. You get less time. Yeah. And you've got, yeah. So, yeah, I wouldn't, no, I wouldn't, I wouldn't want Trent as a six. I think there's a reason. If Trent was going to be a six, we'd never have moved him to right back. He would have just come through as a six.
3: Yeah. Because at the um, time
2: we needed one as well. So.
3: Up front. You starting Salah? Yeah. You think Klopp starts Salah?
2: I don't know. I don't know if he has an... Does he have an option? I mean, who's, I mean, who's the alternative? Jota's been fucking terrible since he came Jota's back. Jota's been
3: awful. And I think Jota is actually the one I was going to mention as to come out of this game. But it would be the Jota or Diaz starts that side as the winger-winger. Rather so than... I,
2: I did think of this. Diaz right, Gakpo middle, and Darwin left. I did think of that and wonder what that would look like.
3: <clears throat> I think Bobby's starting this one. Ooh. A couple of sub-appearances done all right. Scored, obviously, against Arsenal. I wouldn't be surprised if Bobby starts this one.
2: I wouldn't be against it.
3: Yeah.
2: So who would you go on the left, then?
3: Darwin has to start. Yeah. Wherever yeah. he is, Darwin has to start this game. Yeah. There's, it's been really odd use of him recently. Oh, no, poor use poor of, him, use of him.
2: him. It's been poor yeah. use of him.
3: Um, I, I don't really get it. The all right, Injury, fine. If he can't play, that's fine. But even before... Last week and not being in the side, like there's been some very odd changes involving him and all the rest of it. So I think Darwin has to start. I think Darwin has to put in a really big performance, as well, especially with Diaz coming back, considering most of his game time has been from the left. So I would be going Salah, Bobby, Darwin, personally.
2: He wouldn't start Diaz then. I just. I would, he start, would start, Diaz start Diaz.
3: Um, I don't think Klopp will. No, I would start Diaz as long as like there's absolute assurances he can, you know, there's no
2: mm.
3: possibility of you know re injury or anything like that. I know there's always no guarantee, but in terms of his build up load, his recovery, where he is in his rehabilitation, all the rest of it, if he can get through forty five, then yes, I would start Darwin right wing. Yeah. But actually, why I was asking you about Salah? If we got a penalty, would you have him take it?
2: I would. Do you know what? I've been thinking about this all week. I would. Because I think you have to back him. Because I didn't like Klopp's answer in the press conference. I thought that was really poor. Whatever you're going to say to him in private, I think you've got to come out and back him publicly in that situation. I think you have to come out and back him publicly in that situation. You can't come out and say, oh, we're going to talk to him about that bullshit. He's our penalty taker. That's it. And if he's not on the next one, no one cares. But I think you've got to back him publicly like that. I thought that was really weak from Klopp. I would have Mo take the next penalty. If he misses, he misses. But I would have him take the next one and I think Klopp should have backed him publicly. And if he misses, then Fabinho just becomes the penalty taker. Because he's the, he's the best option then. He's the best penalty taker at the club anyway. I, by the numbers across his career. Um. So I'd go Fab. After that, though, I think it gets really interesting. There's the question for you. F- Fab, I don't think should be or will be a first-choice starter next season. If he is, I'm worried. If Mo's not your penalty-taker next year, who would be your penalty-taker, assuming Fabinho's not on the team?
3: Um, From the players we have at the minute... I think I'd make Darwin my taker. But I'm not immediately filled with confidence. Actually, I think the best penalty-taking two or three players would be one, Van Dijk, two, Mm -hmm. probably Cody Gakpo, although I'm not 100% sure, and three, I think Curtis Jones, actually. Um, But Curtis Jones is not going to be an every-week starter, as we know. No,
2: I don't think Cody will be either. I I Um, would say the two best options are both defenders. I would
3: say they're, they're
2: Virgil and Trent.
3: Trent and Virgil. I'm not sure about Trent, to be honest. I think the... Have, have you seen him miss a penalty? I no, can't honestly remember him taking too many penalties. I'm just thinking oh, of like the, the, the mindset the penalty to
2: us and how Sorry, He's taken penalties for us in shootouts and planted them past, yeah. past the keeper. Never gives them yeah. a look.
3: Just sort of thinking a little bit about the... He can be a bit hot-headed in certain situations, can't he? A little bit non-composed sometimes. I think Virgil probably wins that battle for me.
2: Yeah, I see. Pre World Cup, I would have said so, and then I saw him take that penalty for Holland against Argentina, and he was just so lax about it that it bothered me. But like you know, we saw what he did against Kepa. That
3: <laughs> might be the, the shooter
2: ever seen. That's the best penalty I've ever seen. <laughs> it is the best. That is the biggest alpha male moment in the history of football. You're gonna stand there. You're gonna give me. A yard that side and all the other side, buddy. I'm putting the ball there, and then I'm gonna death stare you as I walk back. <laughs> that is that is the biggest I'm him moment I've ever seen in in, a, in any kind of shootout. Unbelievable. Um, but I do think I get what you're saying about Trent, but at the same time, he he oh when he's taking free kicks and stuff, I do think there's a natural composure to him. As long as other people aren't around them, like our players, around telling them to do stuff, there's nothing that winds me up more than when we take a free kick and it takes three minutes to take the free kick because Henderson's in barking orders at people. Get the fuck out of the way. No one thinks you're taking it. They're not telling anybody to do anything. Go away and let Trent focus on what he's doing. And if he wants to tell players where to stand... Let him tell players, not you, because you don't have the authority to do so. Go away, stand somewhere else. As long as he's not in Trent, say, right, I'd back Trent to score every time. I think he just strikes the ball so well. Um, right, we should do predictions then and, and get wrapped up. What is your prediction for this game?
3: I'm going to go for a 2-1 Liverpool win.
2: I'm glad that you've stuck to Lisa Marie's warning of keeping your predictions in check and not, not going for something outlandish. <laughs> we, we've both been guilty of that, in fairness. Um...
0: I don't need a VPN. I've got nothing to hide. <laughs> this is what I used to tell myself before I hooked up with LibertyShield.com. Not only is my home internet now fully encrypted, but I can now access all the websites I want, whenever I want and do so from absolutely anywhere. As a Liverpool fan, I love to know I can now watch every match, regardless of whether it's on UK TV or not. My Liberty Shield VPN makes sure nothing is blocked, and guarantees me super-fast streaming speed throughout that match. You can get connected right now with their software package, which includes a 48-hour no-obligation free trial and instant access to their apps for Apple, Android, Fire TV,
3: I'm going to go for the win. Yeah, I, I, back and forth here, but I'm going to go for a win. It's overdue away from home. It is five games with two draws. For goodness sake! I mean, we've only scored one goal away from home since we won our last away match. That was at Newcastle. We've scored once. Yeah, against City. <laughs> for <laughs> sake. And then got absolutely pumped. Oh, God. since um, since we lost to Leeds at home. Which was twenty ninth of October. We've lost once at home, and that was against Real Madrid, who are the champions of Europe. That's the only game we've lost at home. But since the same date away from home, we've only won three. One was against ten men. One was in the FA Cup. I mean, it's, I don't know. It's such garbage. I'm going to go it two to win.
2: It is it's dreadful. I'm 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 going to go with the win as well. I, I'm I'm going to go with the win. Uh. I'm going to go 3-1. I'm going to be a little bit more
3: positive. We sound early. very confident.
2: Three win. I'm not confident at all. <laughs> if if <laughs> we if we lose this game, oh, I will not be at all surprised.
3: No, I will
2: be cool. fucking furious, but I will not be surprised.
3: That is the thing, though. It's, it's so very difficult at the minute to have reason to be confident. Not to be confident, or not to know that Liverpool are a very good footballing side when they want to, but just to have actual, logical, factual reasons to be Thinking, yeah, we'll we'll play this way in this game. It's a really difficult thing to do.
2: Yeah. Um. Just on, Arman asked that question about Trent as a six with two eights. Um. I just, it's just popped into my head. I don't know why. I remember about a year ago talking to somebody, and I, I think I made the argument that the only way I would play Trent as a six is if we played an actual back three. With then Trent and a line of four with two aggressive pacey wingbacks and two powerful box to box midfielders. That's the only way I consider it. But even then I'm not I'm not overly sold. Anyway, um you're right, like it's just we should be confident. They're awful Aw- awful teams have routinely beaten us away from home this season. You know, you look at the teams below us in the league this season. We've played away. Fulham, draw. Everton, draw. For, uh, uh, Forrest beat us. Spurs are ahead of us. Villa are ahead of us. Brentford beat us. Are we ahead of Brighton? No, we're not. But they beat us. Uh, I go, uh, Wolves beat us. Newcastle are ahead of us. We beat them. We drew with Palace. We lost to Bournemouth. We drew with Chelsea. The teams below us in the league are who we're having more trouble with than the teams even above us in the league. Three of our wins are against three teams that are ahead of us. (laughs) Sorry, our only three wins are against teams that are ahead of us in the league. We are absolutely turging away from home. But I'm going to go for a 3-1 win. Because they're so bad. I, and they lost. They conceded 5 to Roy Hodgson. 5. I'd love to know when the last time a Roy Hodgson managed team. Other than England in some friendly against San Marino. Or some group stage game against Moldova. Or whoever the fuck. I'd love to know when the last time a Roy Hodgson managed team scored 5. And I'd love to know when they managed to do away from home. I'm actually going to spend... Half an hour today researching that because it, it, it boggles the mind that Roy Hodgson managed a team that's got five goals away from home. That's how bad leads are. So we have to beat them. And if we don't, if we don't, and it's the same crap that we've seen, the same mistakes from the manager, Raw will be interesting.
3: Are you on Raw this week? I am on Raw this week.
2: <laughs> uh, make yourself a cup of tea beforehand. You won't be needed for much. <laughs> oh, God. Tell Daddy to pour a glass of wine. Just sit back, lads. I'm wound up enough. I'll just go. Rightio. We'll leave it at that then. Carl's saying 2-1. I'll say 3-1. But anything could happen.
3: Anything to plug? Ah. Uh... Last couple of pieces on the Indian Bay in a Napoli-Milan one and one on the Lionesses if you uh, wish to read about some bounce-back ability before the Women's World Cup.
2: Bounce-back ability. was it? Is it Ian Holloway that invented that
3: word? Could be. Feels I think it was
2: Ian Yeah, I think it was Ian Holloway that invented the phrase bounce-back ability and it was put into the Oxford Dictionary. Um, which is quite remarkable, really. Right, that'll do us for today. I will, well, we will see you uh, next week. Next week's podcasts are going to be without Guy, so we're not going to record them live uh, because neither of us know how to record through Discord. So we'll be recording them and then uh, having Nina edit and upload them. So, uh, yeah. Radio, thanks a million. Bye-bye.
1: We hope you enjoyed listening to this Anfield Index show. Please be sure to subscribe to our channel